You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time to think. Up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! Oh! A high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! Very deep, yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball <laughs> will never be the same! So that now has entered the fray. Yes! And we are back on Hydro Radio, Benoît Liev with Kevin Larme. The trade deadline came and went, but Ben, two major injuries happened over the last week, Dwayne. Uh, ben, sorry. And you know, well, soccer season has started, eh? so I say Dwayne very often. <laughs> but Ben, Kevin Durant, that's where we'll start. Because, yeah, one of our favorites is gone for the season two, Joel B. But Kevin Durant, my phone told me early this morning that he's out indefinitely, and if not for the rest of the season, back for the playoff with a MCL injury and a tibia injury as well. He is in trouble, actually. Um, from what I've heard, um, it's, it's going to be back for the playoffs, maybe not for the first round, so they, may, they might keep him out of the first round if they draw a, an easy opponent. But uh, he he he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks. He, uh, the Red Iper extended his knee yesterday um, against the Wizards in what was a very exciting game. By the way, if you guys have missed this game, like I am pitying you, it was awesome. Yeah. And um, now now uh, the um, the Warriors are faced with uncertainty again. They their big guy, their big player they added this summer is gone uh, with an injury we don't know the full extent of. And we're going to, they're going to have to shuffle their, their deck. Uh, apparently, I've learned through the wire that they are planning to sign Matt Barnes today uh, in order to uh, replace him for the end of the year. Matt Barnes um, uh, has until uh, tonight to clear waivers and to, uh, and to sign with the Warriors. Because that's a tragedy for the Warriors is that it happened just after the trade deadline. Because if it would happened before, they would probably turn themselves around and find a replacement on the short term for the rest of the season for Kevin Durant. Yeah, you cannot find a replacement for Kevin Durant, but you can find a body that you can put in the same situation and work off of it. That has no possibility to happen because, well, trade deadline's over. So you have to turn yourself to free agents that are available and other yes. alternatives. So for Warrior, for the Warriors, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough blow because, well, up until last night, Steph Curry was in maybe the worst three-point slump of his entire career. Now, it came back. He was 0-5, I think, the, 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 match, the game before. It came back yesterday. It wasn't necessarily easy, but it came back for him. Uh, you're looking at the Warriors now. So just before we move to Joel Embiid, is it, does it tip back the balance of power back to the Cavaliers now, the fact that the Warriors are suffering that type of blow, and now they're going to have to work even harder to get to the damn final. Well, I wouldn't say as much as it tipped back the, the, the balance into the Cavaliers' uh, era, but tip back the, the balance of power for the Oklahoma City Thunder, for the Houston Rockets, for the San Antonio Spurs, who can now... 
who can now uh, face a team that doesn't have this lead scorer and who doesn't have any rim protector because Andrew Bogut decided to sign with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers after uh, after clearing the waivers earlier today because apparently he is very angry to have been let go for Kevin Durant in the offseason. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an issue. Like, if, if Durant comes back and, like, is, like, three-quarter of his former self, it's going to be it's, it's, it's gonna be a kick ride. But otherwise, yeah, they're in trouble. Joel Embiid, gone for the season as well. For the 76ers, it's like, look, we're not going to be a playoff team this year. They're going to get a, a very good draft pick again. But it's now it's the question, would Joel Embiid gone? It's What's going to happen this season with the 76ers? Is it another season loss and just turn themselves around for the draft and the offseason and hopefully next year all their young pieces, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid fit together with the new ones they will get in the offseason? Uh, probably, um, I don't see, I don't see anything else uh, to do for them. Ben Simmons will not play this year either. And, um, uh, and it's, they're pretty much uh, toasted. Dario Saric has been playing very good. Uh, like longtime fans of this show will know that I have a deep love for Dario Saric. He's been putting some uh, close to triple double numbers for a couple of nights now. So they're going to give him all the minutes he wants. They made him play. They, they they made some space for him at the trade deadline. So they're going to make the young guys play, and they're preparing for the uh, for for the draft. The interesting debate with Joel Embiid is that, like, he played 30 games this season. Is he going to be named Rookie of the Year? And people were people were comparing numbers. Um, uh, um, uh, to, uh, this afternoon on Twitter, he has more than twice the player efficiency rating of his closest competitor. I think his closest competitor is his teammate, Dario Saric. Um, the player efficiency rating of Embiid is 24, and Saric is 11. So he has a very good argument for playing less than the, less than half of the game in the first season and being the rookie of the year, which is a testament of what kind of player he is. All right, let's talk about the trade deadline the yes. biggest winner, some people would say, are the Toronto Raptors. Yes, they're not big pieces, but with the addition of Ibaka last week and now P.J. Tucker on the deadline, the Raptors are considerably better off, even though Kyle Lowry's injury, which we'll discuss after this, because, yeah, we forgot about to talk about that, too, mm-hmm. going to the All-Star game with a little feeling in his wrist, playing and doing the three-point shootout, and guess what? Surgery, mm-hmm. and he's gone for a while, too. But P.J. Tucker for the Raptors. Yes, um, PJ Tucker. Uh, not that many NBA fans know him because he's been playing in terrible teams in Phoenix. He's actually a really good NBA player. He's not a scorer. He's not. He's never been asked to, to score. Um, he is a very good defensive player. He's perhaps one of the ten best or fifteen best on-ball defender in the NBA. And the uh, Raptors have been trying to get him all a week up until the trade deadline. And they they were asked a first-rounder in exchange of P.J. Tucker. And they refused, they refused, they refused. And finally, at at the wire, at the cutoff uh, hour uh, last Thursday, Phoenix Suns accepted of uh, having him traded for Jared Sollinger, who apparently weighs 300 pounds this season and two second-round picks. Um, 
I liked the addition of Tucker for um, for the Raptors. I think it gives them character. And if they make it to this, the NBA, uh, the conference finals against the uh, Cavaliers this year again, expect a lot of P.J. Tucker on LeBron James. A lot of it. It's one of the reasons why they have gotten P.J. Tucker, even on ESPN, the tracker, Ben, they're talking about the big question, is Tucker the answer to be the Raptors' LeBron stopper? Because that will be his job if the Raptors and the Cavaliers face each other again in the playoff. And look, the Raptors did push the Cavaliers to seven game last year. If you Six. had a P.J. Tucker to the, to the equation and every else, everything else clicks for the Raptor and Lowry's back being Lowry and uh, DeMar is playing the way he was playing early this mm-hmm. season... You never know what can happen. I think that's the type of addition that actually you know what you're going to get. You're not expecting the guy to be a savior. And sometimes those are the type of trade on trade deadline day that actually help your team. Not when you're getting the number one guy or number two guy. But when you're getting number mm-hmm. six, number seven, it actually he knows his role. He comes into a team with a definite role and he's not expecting too much. He's not going to be a distraction. Those type of deals usually are very successful. Absolutely. Um, and um, the Raptors have a number one and number two and a number three. Of course, number one is injured right now. So it's going to be it's going to be a problem if he's not uh, if he's not well. Um, but uh, PJ Tucker is, is not he's not a savior. He's not a LeBron stopper. He's not Kawhi Leonard, but he's going to make LeBron work for it. He's going to uh, make him uh, earn every point he gets. I'm I'm fully expecting LeBron to get like 25 to 30 a night with P.J. Tucker, um, P.J. Tucker on him, but I'm expecting LeBron to be tired, gradually more tired as the series go on. So hey. that that is the key here. Minor trade: the Phoenix Suns gets Mike Scott the forward for a protected second round pick and cash. Uh, that's one interesting too as well in the NBA. It's the amount of money being traded yes. and the amount of different type of draft picks you can have conditional, protected, depending on where you finish and all that. So this trade minor Mike Scott now a Phoenix Sun. Yes, um, basically this this is this is just a dump of uh, this guy's. Uh, uh, He's not going to play. <laughs> this guy's dump of asset because here's the thing: uh, if the if if the uh, second round pick is in the top 55, uh, the Hawks are not getting it, and I think it's for like three years or something. And if if the pick doesn't fall falls off the top 55, and I repeat, there's 60 picks in the, the NBA draft. They're not gonna get it, and money because uh, because um, uh, the Suns are uh, because the Suns are taking uh, Mike Scott's contract. So um, basically, they're they're they dumped an asset to the Suns, who is a good player. Yeah. Who they had they had just um, they had just lost um, PJ Tucker to uh, to Toronto, so it's gonna make up for part of it. Plus, Mike Scott has some shooting. And Atlanta is just like working his its uh, cap space in order to get um, to the trade deadline uh, to uh, to the free free agency. Pardon me. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of other trade as well for cap space. We'll go quickly on them. The Lakers yes. get Tyler Ennis. The Rockets get cap space. The Rockets, by the way, if you have listened to last night's Jimmy Kimmel with mm-hmm. uh, James Harden, was uh, very interesting. Uh, James Harden talks about his relationship with Kobe Bryant and how uh, on and off the court and. How he came to prominence and uh, uh, his grandma—a very interesting interview, by the way, with James Harden on Kim on Kimmel last he's night. A, he's a very Kobe-ish type of player, Jeff right? Harden. 
Yeah, that's, he's, what, that's the vibe I got put, too. He's put. He's put. He's been put in a uh, in a distributor role for uh, the Rockets this year because of the Mike D'Antoni system. But he he can he can he's gonna take like 30 shots a game and he's gonna make like he's gonna facilitate like 20 shots a game. That's for sure. Like that, he's that kind of talent, I believe. Yeah, and the Rockets get other cap space, and the Nets get KJ McDaniel's, mm-hmm. uh, Roy Hibbert to the Nugget for a protected future second round pick. Boring. Exactly. So <laughs> let's go back down a little bit more here. Uh, probably one of the biggest trade of the day in numbers, at least. The Thunder yes. gets Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott, and a second round draft pick in 2018. The Bulls get Anthony Morrow, Jeffrey Laverne, and Cameron Payne. Uh, speaking of the Bulls, you know the big 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 thing that didn't happen is jimmy butler is still with the bulls uh yep apparently apparently uh danny ainge and gar foreman are two really bad negotiators when they put together in the same room and uh it did not like the trade to boston did not happen uh which means that uh, chicago is still torn about what to do with butler when you have a superstar like him do you let him go? Do you uh, do you uh, sign? Do, do, do you keep building around him? It's very difficult. So instead of um, of trading Jimmy, they traded some of the guys who were fighting his new form of leadership. <laughs> exactly. Um, but in that trade, with that trade, Oklahoma City is the team that matters the most in the playoff portrait that got the best at the. Uh, at the trade deadline, they were, let's take a look at what they got. Um, Taj Gibson was probably not going to renew with Chicago in the offseason because Chicago wants to give the, his job to Bobby Portis. But Taj Gibson, great two-way player, uh, arduous, like hard-working defensive player, very smart. He has a he has a mid-range shooter, so he can get to the rim, he can get some points. So that's going to take some pressure off uh, Russell Westbrook. Him. Doing pick and roll with Westbrook, so it is a natural pairing. Um, Doug McDermott, who was in dire straits with Jimmy Butler, I heard, is a well, a well-needed addition of shooting. So, so uh, he makes the Thunder instantly better. Either, and in order to get these two guys, um, they had to trade Cameron Payne, uh, Russell Westbrook's pre-game dance partner, to the Chicago Bulls, uh, and Cameron Payne is the key to that trade, actually. The Bulls needed a uh, point guard. They needed a guy to distribute the ball and organize the offense. Cameron Payne is very young, but he will be that guy for Chicago. Uh, the Frenchman, Geoffrey Lauvergne, he, <laughs> uh, he is a rotation guy in the making. Like He's going to be like a seventh or eighth man in a good rotation uh, at best. And Anthony Moreau is the non-shooting shooter. So uh, Anthony Morrow <laughs> is supposed to be a three-point shooter. I think he shoots for like 32% this year. So um, the Oklahoma City got rid of his contract and got a better three-point shooter instead of Dar- Dougie McBuckets. <laughs> and last trade, because uh, we talked about the other ones uh, last Which week. Which was Show- the first trade of the day. Exactly. And it was a long day because uh, it's like the NHL. There's like live shows. Oh, trade deadline. lasts for like 10 hours mm-hmm. and nothing happened. But yep. uh, this time around, the 76ers get Andrew Bogut, Justin Anderson, and a top 18 protected first-round pick. The Mavericks get Nerlens Noel. This was a very controversial trade because everybody started screaming and saying that the 76ers got fleeced. Uh, Nerlens Noel was drafted in 2013 
sixth overall because uh, he was rumored to go first overall that year, but he hurt his knee and he he missed his entire rookie season. Uh, but people, and he's a good player, Nurnasabal. He's clearly the best player that was traded in this in this trade. But uh, people forget that there was absolutely no market for Noel uh, this year. Noel clearly said he wanted out of Philadelphia. Um, the Nets were closing in on a max deal for the this summer for Noel. So uh, Philly had absolutely no traction. And what they got, uh, they got Bogut, who, uh, who basically uh, uh, Dallas let go in order to clear space for Noel. Um, Bogut has since uh, been waived and has been signed by Cleveland. Uh, they got Justin Anderson, who everybody seems not to like, but he's a decent player. He's a he's a very physical uh, wing player. He can play the two, he can play the three. He can arguably defend four positions, so he's gonna have his uh, a use with uh, the Sixers and a top 18 first round pick, uh, a top 18 protected first round pick, which means that. If it's not in the top 80, 18 this year, which it will be because the map sucks, um, it's going to uh, it's going to go to Philly. If not, it's going to convert into two second rounders. So it's probably what's going to happen. Like uh, the Mavericks basically have thrown the towel. They will bottom out, <laughs> and they will start building around Harrison Barnes, Nerlens Noel, Yogi Ferrell, and that point guard they're going to get in the draft somewhere. When you're looking at all the trades that we talked about, which team really got better on trade deadline day? Um, the Thunder. The Thunder are the big winner of trade deadline day. Um, there, there was not like big, big, uh, bigger movers, but the Thunder got pieces that could make the difference in a series. Like Taj Gibson is a veteran. He knows how to play the game. Uh, Doug McDermott is is talented. Like he's talented for as long as you don't ask him things he cannot do, like what Chicago was doing with him. And the Mavericks, the Mavericks with this trade has um, laid a plan for the future. Like Nerlens Noel will be a part of their core in the future, and he he is a player very similar to Tyson Chandler, who Rick Carlisle, the coach of the uh, Dallas Mavericks has turned into Defensive Player of the Year. So I'm expecting Nerlens Noel to flourish under uh, Rick Carlisle, and I'm expecting a Mavericks renaissance for uh, as quickly as next year. Now, Ben, one of the last topics that I want to talk to you today. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put you under the gun here. We haven't talked about this before off-air, but I know you can go ahead with it. Uh, you remember Alonzo Ball, right? We talked about Alonzo yeah. a lot of times here on this show. And <laughs> last week, last week, well, you, you know where I'm going, right? Last week, his father made some very, very controversial <laughs> comments saying that, well, if my son was playing for the Warriors instead of Curry, he would do even better. He would be even would be untouchable. He would be the rookie of the year. Do this, do that. And the game after that, Alonzo Ball scored only five points and looked terrible in his college game. What's what's going on with uh, Mr. LeVar Ball, father of Alonzo? And uh, is he putting too much pressure and too much scrutiny on his son? Well, first of all, LeVar Ball is insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but he's not he's not suffering from a much different form of insanity than other uh, parents in basketball. Like he's looking to cash in on his son 
on his son's talent, and he is clearly overdoing it right now. You know what he said today? What? He, I missed this one. He, oh, no, it's even worse. Like, it's even worse. He said that when his son comes into the NBA, he is not going to sign with either Adidas, Nike, or Under Armour because his son has more branding power than that. That he has a brand called the Triple Bs because for people who don't know, the uh, Alonzo Ball has two young brothers who are as talented, if not more talented than him. Uh, LiAngelo, who's coming into college next year, and LaMelo, who uh, is like 14 or something, who scored like 92 points in a college in a, in a high school game a couple uh, a couple um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so it's called, ago, yeah. it's called the it's called the Triple Bs, and like whoever is going to uh, give him the possibility to brand the Triple B is going to get his son. Otherwise, they're going on their own. And that's insane. I mean... They're going to create well, their own company. They're going to create their own sneaker or athletic wear company. This is this is completely nuts. And Lonzo, Lonzo is gaining a lot of steam as number one pick overall right now. He had a bad game last week, yes, but he had, like, not long ago against Arizona, he had a tremendous tremendous game where he controlled the pace uh where 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 really like the game the game was really relying on his shoulder and he carried it around like like a champ and but like his father is going to be a problem his father wants wants the millions now that he invested all this time and money in his son now his father wants to get paid and he's going to get in the way and i would not be surprised that if lavar ball keeps it up his son falls down a few notches in the draft because teams don't want to don't want to put up with him. Not just I that, be- that's the pressure that he puts on his kid too, which is a correlation last week of when he talked and when he had his worst game of the year. Mm-hmm. It's one after the other. So can you imagine when it's a big time, his first NBA or the combine or whatever the case may be where the spotlight is solely on Lonzo, then mm. what's going to happen if his father hypes it up and maybe he cannot live up to that hype? And that is... The difficulty, and I'm going to do a correlation to another player here in another sports, yep. just because to get the attention. Maybe it's going to be obscure to some people. There was, there is a soccer player named Freddie Adu, and ah, I was thinking about him exactly right. And at 15 years old, even earlier, 13 years old, he was signed by the Major League Soccer Club, and oh, he's going to be the next Pele, and he's going to be the best thing ever. He will be Ronaldinho. He's going to turn out to be the best soccer player the United States have ever produced, and putting all this pressure. Pressure and scrutiny on a developing player is a recipe for failure. And just scrutiny is fine if you let the guy and there's too much expectations. But scrutiny and hype and expectations altogether, we'll see how it turns out. But you set up yourself for failure instead of setting up yourself for success. Even if that guy is going to be a great NBA player, that's still pretty good. But if you expect him to be Kobe or expect him to be Jordan and he's not... That people are going to have a negative connotation to it. So that's one of the risks by asking the way his father is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like for Lavar, it's not that much of a big deal because he still has two sons coming up. But True. for Lonzo, it could be really, really a big problem. Like, I really like Lonzo. I think he's really good. He has the ugliest shot form I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Uh, but but it works for him. Like, he he he... I don't know. I don't know how he does it. Like, like you should. You guys should see like his uh, mixtape. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but he makes his shots, and that's the big thing that puts him up ahead of most other, uh, of of most other um, uh, point guards right now in the draft. But 
I guess we'll see. Like, it's going to be, I'm expecting him to struggle because of that next year. That's for sure. And you know what, Ben? We're going to talk about Lonzo Ball a lot because have you checked the calendar? What day is it today? Uh, it's March 1st. What comes soon? March Madness? Exactly. So we'll be talking Woo-hoo. about plenty of, of college course. basketball. Of course, of course. I can't wait. Exactly. All right, Ben. So uh, until next week, enjoy your basketball, Ben. We can relax now that the trade timeline's over. And now we know which team has the best roster. So, so here, to finish the show, Ben, did your favorite for the NBA final change? Do you still have the same team coming out of the Eastern Conference and Western Conference as of today? Mm, yes. And I, my favorite early this season was tentatively Cleveland. And it's still tentatively, ten- tentatively Cleveland. So, so yeah, like they added Deron Williams and Andrew Bogut at the uh, in the buyout season. So I'm really, I'm really, I feel, I feel good that they they're going to push the Warriors to their very, uh, their very uh, last resort. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Benoit Lelièvre, and you can follow myself at Kevillarme. And Ben, until next week. Have a good basketball. Yes, sir. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.